is how they ended that place is they called everybody one day into the cafeteria, got them in there and says, get in your cars and go down to the Holiday Inn and Portage to a certain room. And they got everybody out in the middle and they locked the gates. No Two, more jobs. No, no more jobs. Said it's over, it's done. Welcome to the It's Possible podcast, where we tackle topics between life, business, and everything in between, and how we make it all possible with your hosts, John and Amy. Let's take it away. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for Pam and Russell's podcast with the Depot Hot Dogs. We ended up recording um, a really long, you know, over an hour podcast with them. And as we went, there were so many different instances where we went back to Russell's past, to getting the hot dog stand ready and put together, some things they learned early on, all the way to insights after being in the Hall of Fame, and then once they've hit their 30-year mark. So what we've done is we've broke it broken it into multiple parts. So what you're about to listen to is part one of our Depot Dogs um, series interview with Pam and Russell. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get alerted to the upcoming parts and episodes that get released. We hope you enjoy it and um, leave us a review and give us some feedback. And um, here it comes. Okay, so we have a cool um, podcast that's different um, for this episode that Amy and I have done uh, previously. Because we uh, have a guest. We have guests. Well, we have two we guests. We have guests, but, um, but Pam is hiding My mother, on the other side of the room. My mother's very shy. And this is Amy's mom and dad. So we, we get to have Amy's mom and dad here with us. And how many years have you had the Caboose? Wait, Pam Russell? and? Pam and Russell. And Russell Bass. Bass. Pam and Russell Bass. And how many years have you guys had the Caboose Open, Russell? Uh, we just finished up our 30th year. So 30. 30 so years. 30 years, a hot dog stand in northwest Indiana, yeah. where most restaurants are going to go under in the first two. It goes to hot dog stands every two, hot, three years. Two years are belly up. Right. 30 years is the exception to the rule. So that's awesome. So that's where we'll 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 get to that point of the story of when you uh, open the caboose and get a get us to thirty years of success. But we want to start with kind of your backstory and how we slowly kind of get to the point to where you have a crazy a crazy crazy idea with a young family to strike out on your own and open a hot dog stand. Okay. So kind of take no us take us back kind of from where. Your where are you from? Humble beginnings. Yeah, where are you well, from? Well, back in December 18th, 1951, I was born to Jack and Doris Bass in Hobart, Indiana. Lived my whole childhood there. Went to all the schools in Hobart, senior high, junior high, elementary school there. You had four brothers and sisters? I have yeah, four brothers, uh, one and sister. sister. Uh, you know, gra- graduated from high school and decided to. Obviously, my parents didn't have the money to send me to college at the time, and you know, and it wasn't a back in that day. It wasn't a thing you had to go to college, but the steel mills in the area were very prevalent, and you could hook onto a job at the steel mill and make a living. Now, when did you get your first job? 
Well, it was my first job was actually working for a grocery store bagging groceries at uh, uh, it's called J Y J yeah J Tittles. It was actually Miller where I actually bagged groceries, stock shelves. I went from there to one in Holbrook called Wiseway. I remember Wiseway. And I I worked there until uh, I graduated from high school. Then when I graduated from high school, I I hooked onto a company uh, in Gary. It was called uh, National Can Company, where they actually printed cans. You know, the litho part of it. They printed the cans and then they shipped these to bottling companies that actually made the cans. But it was a called National Can Company, and uh, I worked there for approximately a year, year and a half. Uh, you know, it still, wasn't... Still in Indiana? Still in Indiana, Gary, Indiana, yeah. And um, then I, uh, like I say, a year and a half I worked there, and it got to a point where it just wasn't, uh, you know, my thing. I was young. I was 18, 19 years old, whatever it was. I was young. Yeah, I wanted to see the world, you know what I mean? And so a buddy of mine, actually he was my sister's boyfriend, asked me if I wanted to go down for a week in, at Indiana Beach, which was an amusement park, or down in just south of where we lived, probably about an hour, hour and a half south, on a lake. So I went down there with him, and we hung out for a week, and we met a bunch of girls from Louisville, Kentucky. They were up there for the same reason we were there. We connected with them. I had a good time. Uh, they asked us to go back to Louisville, Kentucky with them, and we did. Yeah. Just, okay. That did, is very <laughs> ill-advised. If my sons come up sure. and tell me that they meet two girls in an amusement park. He didn't say there were two. He said no, there was a No, there's like six, seven of them. So there's a, but, but, but your odds you know, are They asked high. us. They liked us. They, liked, they said, hey, why don't you guys come back to I Louisville? And at that point... I thought to myself, why not? Why not? Yeah. And I did. Okay, I hopped in my 63 Impala with my thrush mufflers on it, and down to Louisville we went. And to hell with the bottling company. To hell with that canning company. Okay, so the canning company. I go down there. And so now we're, we're in Louisville trying to figure out what we're going to do, where we're going to stay. How uh, much planning happened before you guys decided to Zippo. get to we, we We didn't even go home, to tell you the truth. Okay, we, we left from Indiana Beach and went to Louisville. Okay, so it was just like whatever we had there what for that week. What did your mother say? My my mother was just like she had no control over us at that time. If you know where I'm coming from, but well, anyway, you, were, you said you were over nineteen, right? Yeah, I was nineteen, almost twenty years old. So, so. you're not living at home. No, well, at, at that well, I can't remember at that time. I I might have been you're in and out. You know how, right. how that works when you sure. you know, it was in and out. I had in a trailer at one time, and then I was back, and you know, it was, I can't remember at that specific time as I was still living there. But anyway, we we went to Louisville. We get down there, and we decide now what are we going to do? Well, uh, the one girl that really invited us down, her dad was pretty high up in like the Ford Motor Company, had a beautiful house outside Louisville, up on the hills, kind of like what this is here, you know. And so she's first wife says, "Hey, can can they stay here?" And dad says, "Hell no." You know, you're not staying. You know, yeah, two, you two, two boys you just met from up in Indiana are not staying in my house. Yeah, you're, you're looking at this from, like, your son's perspective. If they wanted to take off, could you imagine if you had a daughter? She went on vacation and came back with, like, two homeless kids? <laughs> You'd shoot him. <laughs> but anyway, he would not let us stay in there. She's no way. But, but uh, 
well, so we slept in the, in the 63 Impala for a little while until we ended up meeting a couple people down there. One guy had to use less state there. But anyway, long story short is we ended up hooking on with a construction company. Okay. And uh, asked, actually, they were laying asphalt. And, and, you know, if you ever laid asphalt, you've seen them do it. It was a pretty nasty job. But we worked for them. We hired on, you know, I forget what they were paying us, but it was one of them temporary jobs where they hire them for 30 days and then lay them off because after 30 days, you got to pay you more. Sure. So that's what they were doing. They was hiring temporaries for 30 days. So we were 30 days, get laid off. Got to a point where, you know, what are we going to do? You know, I, you know so we, we finally, we were down there maybe two, three months. We come back to Indiana. I got back up here and it was just like, I didn't like it up here in Indiana. It wasn't my thing. I wanted to go. So I still kept in contact with a few friends we met down in Louisville. And one guy says, well, come on down. Russ, he goes, you can stay with me and my girlfriend. And it was just me. The other guy, yeah, my, my sister's boyfriend, he played hell with my sister when he, he got back. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, you know, I went down there by myself, <coughs> back down to Louisville and stayed with Henry and Wanda. That was the two people I stayed with. And uh, we just I started looking for jobs, started looking for jobs. Actually, I went to a, a hiring agency or something, and they ended up, there was a company called Colomart, which back in that day, this was in the early 70s, unheard of. I mean, it was like the pea pods of today where they actually delivered food to your house. Oh, okay. See, back in that day, that was unheard of. But it was called a thing called Colomart. Just starting off ground floor, I, I hooked on with them. Right on the ground floor, and my job, I remember it was only a dollar ninety an hour, dollar ninety an hour. I can only imagine how much you were getting paid for the construction work. Though. Yeah, well, I was only making like maybe five, six dollars an hour there. But anyway, my job was these these they had these big step vans that they pulled off these racks that they put the totes in and they deliver. My job was at the end of the day, I went in on a night shift, and I had to unload all the racks, pull them off the truck, take the totes out clean them, stack them, put them back, get them ready for the next day's orders. That's where I started. Well, that company started out at uh, only doing like 80 orders a day. Okay. And it started growing. It started getting, people were catching on. It was growing, growing, growing. And I moved up right with it. Okay. Uh, they kind of liked me. I uh, moved up, started making more money. Uh, got to a point where, you know, they actually made me supervisor over the picking lines for all the lines coming down where they pick all the merchandise, put them in the totes. I was a supervisor over that. But long story short is about two years in, the company must have been getting in, was getting in some financial trouble. Okay, and they called in these two guys from California, Fullerton, California, I remember. Charlie Eckman and Wayne Thompson was their names. And they're two high roller guys that owned businesses. They knew how to operate. They came in to try to figure out what was wrong with Colomart. Sure. So the Wayne Thompson was the numbers guy. He went up in the office. Charlie Eckman was the operation guy. He was out there with me. And he he took me on his wing. He liked me. You know, he used to talk to me all the time. He knew I was single. He knew, everything, you know, the whole thing. He used to take me out to dinner at, at, at night. We'd go and he'd sit and talk to me. Was he married? Charlie? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, to look, thinking back about it. it he never talked about it. I mean, he spent a lot of time on the road, I guess. I don't know if he was or he wasn't. That was sure. something irrelevant at the time to me. But 
Uh, he, was uh, he gay? Is it's a lot of whining and dying. It's a lot no, of whining no, and no, dying. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I don't, no, I don't think he, 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 was working hard. he never made no moves on me through that. But anyway, <laughs> he uh, he would take me out to dinner and talk to me a lot and ask me about, you know, my what I want to be, what I want to do. And yeah, desires, that. motivation. Yeah, so stuff. finally, one time we went out to dinner and he sat down and he says, Russ, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. He goes, I want you to come work for me on California. And I said, well, why? why? What's, you know, call him. He goes, I'm telling you now, right now, Russ, to yeah. you and me, this place got another six months and it's dead. He said, it ain't going to make it. He said, I want you to come work for me in San Francisco <clears throat> at a uh, company called Werner Strauss. And, uh, you know, he said, I want you to be my, you know, guy to run the warehouse like you do here, run the warehouse, get the orders out, get everything shipped, you know. And I says, Hey, you know, right now, if, if it's going under, I got no, you know, yeah, I'll go, you know. So he yeah. says, I'll pay, you know, I had a 65 Pontiac Grand Prix, it's a car I had. Everything I own, everything I own. Everybody's going to care about the car. So Pam, yeah. Pam's telling Russell nobody's going to care about the car. Oh, well, I tell you what, Listen, if, we if have... you know what a 63 Pontiac Grand Prix looked like, yeah, you would understand. And we have six whole listeners for this podcast. I guarantee you one six. of them knows what these cars are. But anyway, I threw everything I had into that 63 Grand Prix, and uh, they paid for my gas out there, and I headed out to... San Francisco driving. It took me like two, two and a half days to get there. Is that the first time you've been out west? First time I've been to California. First time I've been, well, as, as a kid, no, as a kid, my parents took us out there on vacation down to Southern California. Knoxbury Farm. Knoxbury Farm and all that. But uh, this is I first, didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's to, where I grew up. He had to right. sleep outside in the desert because. His brothers and mother got the car, so him and his older brother had to sleep outside had, in the my desert. My dad slept on the picnic table, and we slept on the ground with the Gila monsters. <laughs> the Gila, the Gila but, monsters. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, I, I took off, and it was it was a long trip, like two two and a half days. I finally get there. Uh, Charlie introduced me. I can't remember the guy's name now, but he introduced me to somebody within the company, and Charlie told him set Russ up in an apartment. So he goes, sets me up in some apartment in the Mission District of San Francisco, which was I know I know where the Mission District, yeah, District yeah, is. It was kind of an iffy place, but it was a, it was like above a, a storefronts on the bottom, and the apartment was up above. It's you not know, an Impala old, old for three school. months in Kentucky. You know, he was yeah. above an ice cream parlor, and he ate oh, ice, I cream ate ice cream, cream every night. night. But anyway, uh, but it had he had one of Murphy's beds in the wall that folded out into the yep. living room. So he slept in a Kitchen and a bath. That's pretty much what it was. Hey. And, you know, I, I, I survived there for California for, well, actually, I moved from that apartment to another apartment up in <laughs> Twin Peaks of San Francisco. Yeah. It's a pretty nice area. Sure. I mean, you could look down over the city. It was pretty nice. And I stayed there. Then I had a buddy of mine from Indiana call me up and, hey, Russ, I want to come visit you. He drove out there, visit me. He ended up staying. And. He got a job at uh, Safeway Foods. Yep, I know Safeway. Okay, Safeway Foods. He got a job with them. He's working there. <laughs> anyway, long story short, about four years in, it got to a point where I seen and experienced enough weirdness in San Francisco that I thought, this is, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into details of the parties I went to and what I saw. And I'm not, I don't well, don't go into those because heaven forbid that'd be the only thing that all of us would be interested in, but that's okay. 
Right. I don't want to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? not? Absolutely. Tell a no. story. Okay, it support. has nothing to, it do, has nothing to do with no, the purpose okay, of the I'll story. I'll give you one story, story to tantalize the people. Okay, I, okay, here. If it offends the listeners, here, me, me, I don't me, care. Me and my roommate, me and my roommate to move from, from Indiana. Right. You know, he first gets there. He ain't, he ain't found a job yet. I go to work. I come home at night, and I walk in there, and Jim says, wow, Russ. He goes, it's weird today. I said, what? He goes, somebody was beating on the door, beating real hard on the door. He said, I went and looked through the little peephole, and it looked like a girl out there. And Anyway, I opened the door, and she was from upstairs. She said, hi, I'm your neighbor. You know, hi, how you doing? You might have told her her name on everything to Jim. And Jim said she was very masculine looking. He says, mm -hmm. and she was trying to get in the door. He said, I wouldn't let her in. And she goes, you know, well, maybe we've got to get together, you know, and this and that. And she's pointing upstairs, you know, and Jim said it was really weird. So he's telling me the whole story, and I got it. Next thing you know, I'm sitting there, and the phone rings. Everybody had phones in their house. There was no cell phones back in those days. Everybody had the standard phones. Right. So the phone rings, I pick it up, and some girl on her real sweet, sexy voice says, Hi. She says, I'm down here at the Safeway store down the street here on Castro. She says, and I see in the phone book, it says here for a good time, call Ross. And I says, listen, sweetie, you got the right idea, but you got the wrong name. And I said, my name is Russ. And we start breaking into this conversation. Right. Okay, she's coming on and this and that. Finally, I says, hey, I says, I'd like to meet you. Why don't you stop by? She goes, well, where do you live? I says, 278 this, State this Street. This really sounds safe. This so is fine. a horrible idea. <laughs> well, in the today's standard, but back then, it was totally know, safe. Yes, in the 70s, right? Summer of 69, nothing bad you happened. You gotten no. raped and murdered. No, listen. Anyway, so I, I rattle off my address to her, and all of a sudden she says, well, wow, she says, I have some friends that live in that building. They I live, says, you do? I says, you. well, I haven't met any of them then. I says, but my roommate met one today, came to the door, and thought she was really weird, acted like some kind of guy. You know, he started telling the whole story. All she goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> they were upstairs calling us downstairs. They were up there calling us downstairs. <laughs> so needless to say, for the next month, it was, it, not it was bad. All. It was friction. Every time you passed in the hallway, you know, it was like, you know. But anyway, <laughs> one day I'm coming home from work again. Pulled up there, and we had little balconies. Off. You're good. Keep going. We, we had little uh, balconies uh, hanging off the apartments. <clears throat> and mine was on the ground floor for the year. Theirs was right above us. And I'm walking up to go in the door, and I look up, and I see both of them up there. And all of a sudden, when I walk in, they take a handkerchief, and they drop the handkerchief, and it floats down in front of me. And I took it as a as a peace offering, you know? Okay. And I looked up at them, and they're both staring at me. So I picked up the, the, the uh, handkerchief, and I walked up there to the door, and I banged on their door. I said, hey, let's bury the hatchet, man. You know what I mean? Let's bury the hatchet. And so they invited me in and told me their story, what where they came from. I told them where I was from, the whole thing. Where they, they were both of them are from Minnesota. Okay, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And they moved to San Francisco to go to some university. I don't know what college it was they were going there, but they moved together there to go to school. Sure. Well then she or he, whatever he was, uh -huh. he's transitioning, okay, into the other thing, and, and they still live together. 
a progressive. You know, but anyway, it was. But anyway, I, 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 just, I just thought at that point, I thought, you know. I need, let, to, get let the, me, I need to get the hell back to Indiana. Well, no. <laughs> wait. Wasn't I, it your mother? Nana needed you, did she not? No, not that. No, not that no. Hold on, we're on the transvestites. Yeah. We're past, we're we need to get back to but Indiana. But anyway, I just told them right there, I said, listen, I'm from the Midwest. This stuff doesn't happen in the Midwest. See, I, I've never seen it before. I've never, you know, this so it's it's different for me. Just understand sure. where I'm coming from. This doesn't happen where I'm from. You can just understand where, where I'm coming from. Sure. So they said, well, I just want to let you know. I said, hey, we can get along, okay? I mean, we, you know, you do your thing, I do my thing, we can get along. So, you know, we went our separate ways at night and everything. Then about a week later, the the young 19-year-old, the legitimate girl, she comes up to me and she says, hey, we're having a party this weekend. We'd like you to come. And I thought it'd be the neighborly thing. I Sure, I'll, I'll come. Sure. I went to that party. It was one of the weirdest parties I've ever been to. Okay. So now, this, this is what sends you back to India. Yeah. The, 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 it, was, it was just, you know, uh, a lot of dykes in there and transvestites and uh, uh, mine people, you know, with the face paint of mine. I just remember <laughs> there were there were mimes at oh, the party. mimes at these parties, you know, kind of looking at you doing the weird stuff. And, <laughs> but anyway, I you know I I went to the party and you know, I'd see a girl sitting over there and I walk over and say, hey, how you doing, man? And start, you know, and I'd start talking to her and I'd look over and I'd see some other woman over there giving me the dirty eye because that was her bitch. You know what I'm coming from? Sure. You know that's you know I was stepping on somebody's toes. Right. You know, so I just thought. No, I, I, I All you done. Know. but anyway, long story is that that's just one of the weird experiences. I, I think this got to point after four years, I thought, I don't belong here. This isn't my place. Sure. I did. I don't belong here. So I finally told them I'm going back to Indiana and uh, got on a plane and flew home and actually hooked in because I, I worked at a place called Indiana General up in Indiana prior to doing all this. and then. I hooked back on there. They gave me my job back. Sure. And that's where I met this girl right here, Pam. So you were, Pam, you were working at Indiana General? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was the... Uh, I worked in payroll. Get over here, Nanny, and say... And she said she worked in payroll. They're not going to hear her way over there. I, we, we went over this prior to the start of this yeah. podcast. That's all I have to say. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I, I start... I come back. I get my job there. I, I start working and everything. and uh, Now, one question I do, I am interested in, because all the, the jobs you put in years at each of these jobs, mm-hmm. when you're uh, starting the job, are you thinking literally like, this is just to, to get take care of me right now? Or each yeah. time that you're starting, is it a I'm, I'm also like, looking for the future, no. Okay. There's no future outlook for me at, at that age. and A lot of kids that age, they're not looking in the future. They're looking like, what can I do right now to make myself happy? Right. That's, all, that's all I was doing, you know what I mean? And uh, But anyway, I'm back in Indiana General now and uh, working on the line and uh, sitting Wait, in line? The, like, this is a oh, power yeah, they made company? Mag, they made magnets there, is oh, what they okay. did. And, you know, we pressed magnets and they put made, them on cards. They made magnets. Yeah. Oh, I remember. That's why when we were little, you always had those, like, yeah. ridiculous Magnets for the back of speakers, ceramic yeah, magnets. totally. Sure. That's what we made. But anyway, I would... Uh, that makes sense. Making the magnets, doing. One day we're sitting in a foreman's office, so I'll kick back in there doing something. The foreman walked in there and says, "Hey, there's a girl in the office there who needs a date to the to the credit union dance. Which one of you morons is going to take her?" 
So I, I said, well, well, which one is she? You know, and then he described, she's a, you know, payroll one comes out. And I used to check her ass out all the time. You know, she used as to you, walk out there and say, wow. As you should. Yeah. And then, you know, she'd walk out there and say, wow, you know, what's her name? You know, that's, as I'm making magnets, you know, that's what you're thinking. Well, anyway, he says, yeah. You know, I said, oh, I said, hey, I'll ask her out. She wants to go to credit union dance. So next time she came out, she used to come out at like at five o'clock every evening and post the incentives on the board. That's what she did. So I walked up to her. This girl here was scared to death of me, man. She wouldn't look me in the eye. She sat there with well, her head down. Over. Pam is, so Pam, so everybody knows, Pam's travel size. So Pam is like yeah. four and a half feet tall. <laughs> and Russell, you're like six, four. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it, it was like, and she, she's not a, she's kind of a shy girl. And in, 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 anyway, but anyway, I walked up to her yeah. at the window and I said, Hey, my name's Russell. I says, so your name's what? And she said, Pam, you know. And I said, uh, I says, uh, one of the foremans in there said, you want to go to that credit union dance? I said, I'd gladly take you, man. Well, I said, I'll take you if you want to go. Let's, you know, let's set it up. And she says, oh, oh okay. You know, she kind of was kind of nice. I said, well, give me your phone number. You know, I says, I'll call you. Maybe we can talk a little bit before we go. Because this is like a week away or something. Sure. So give me your phone number. Maybe I'll call you and talk to you a little bit. I mean, you, you've had enough experience. You need to at least talk to women I I, 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 could talk, I had no problem talking to girls. Right. You know, hey, the worst thing they could do is say no, okay? <laughs> or turn out to be a man. Yeah, or turn out to be a man. Right. Exactly. And that's what I saw a few <laughs> times there. But anyway, anyway, but anyway, that's, uh, so I got her phone number. We called a couple times. We set the thing up. I went over and picked her up from her mom and dad's house and met her mom and dad. Pam is so nervous yeah. during this story right now that her, her feet are kicking back and forth. <laughs> She has tons of involuntary memories. I know. She's bringing back good memories, I hope. But anyway. <laughs> it's all a lie. It's all a lie. What's a lie? What, what have I said that's a lie? I never want to know that. Oh, the, the foreman, foreman lied. Don't tell me I'm lying. <laughs> the foreman lied. Maybe he did, but I got the information from him that you wanted to go. And, and you would never be hey, in the hot 40 years later, Pam, it worked out. Come on. But anyway. So they go to the dance, they start dating. Four years later, they get married. Yes? Uh, four no. years? No, it was less than that. We only, we got married in 78. What did One we year. Start? Yeah, about a year later. Okay. But anyway, it was, you know, and to tell you the truth, in my mind at that point in my life, you know, being in San Francisco, being in Louisville, done a few things in my life, it was a point where I, I was like 27, was I? Because you, you were 22, right? I was 27. You know, I, You're getting I, ready. I, I needed that. I wanted to settle down. Right. I needed security. You know what I mean? Sure. I was tired of bouncing off the walls. Yeah. And so San Francisco assistant. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, you know, after we met, we uh, got married. And, so you uh, moved in the neighborhood. So yeah. my grandparents, my mother's parents are from Gary, Indiana as well. And they built their house in 1948 and raised all five of their kids in that 1951, house. 1951, they built their house. Excuse me. They were married in 1948. They built the house in 1951. They raised all five of their kids. There's there. going to be a quiz on all of the dates yes. that are being mentioned. <laughs> Later. We're going to add that to the But anyway, so it's my mother is born and raised in the same neighborhood that my grandparents lived their entire lives in up until like a year and a half ago, really. So. 
And then my grandfather gave my dad land in the same neighborhood, and that's where you built the house exactly. that I grew up in okay. my whole life. So you you get married, you get kind of the homestead set up, you have kids, and at this point, you're now working at the mill. Oh, yeah. At this, time, at this point, I, I, I left Indiana General, and I hooked on to Bethlehem Steel, it was called. This was probably 1978 I hooked on to Bethlehem Steel. And traditionally, if you get a job at the steel mill, you can yeah, support for, a family. But it's but, a separate life. Yeah. My luck was that at that point, that's when a lot of foreign countries were dumping steel on our shores. The steel industry took a dive. We started okay. like globalizing, you yeah, know, exactly. Reagan, Reagan and, and outsourcing. Yeah, and it, it, it took a dive. So I, I worked, you know, a couple good years at, at Bethlehem, but then it got to a point where I'd work a little bit, get laid off, collecting unemployment, uh, you know, bartending on the side, trying to make some bucks. She was had to go back to work to try and to make it. We then, were itty bitty. And then come nineteen eighty three, Derek's born. Right. Okay. And that's Amy's oldest. And brother. you know, it's still going on back and forth where I'm I'm working a little bit, laid off a little bit, working I mean it was no security. And then eighty six she was born. And you know, here I had a uh, a house I had to pay for. Now I got two kids. Uh, the pressures of life were were crashing down on you. You know what I mean? You, yeah. see, you felt it. But me and her together pulled. We we pulled it out. You're okay. We never borrowed a dime from anybody. There was a couple times we didn't know where we were going to get the money to make the house payment, but we we did. We made it through it. And uh, finally, it got to a point where. You know, I get I got tired of like this is probably in nineteen eighty five, eighty six. I got tired of this mill thing, late working me, laying me off. I mean, me being a number, and I think at that point, that's when I decided, Pam, we have to do something to change this scenario. Now, a story that I remember being uh, hearing you tell once before was one time you were still working for the mill. Everybody went to lunch and then came back. Okay, yeah, tell, tell, yeah, tell that story. Yeah, that's well, a the, the, story. well, actually, this this is when I left. I actually left Bethlehem Steel had me laid off for so long. I hooked on to another company called West, uh, Western Cold Run Steel, and that was a company I'd worked for. And at that point, I, you know, I'd actually Bethlehem tried to call me back one time, and I was I had more security at Western, so I told them to go away. But anyway, yeah, what happened to Western Steel? Is that it got into financial trouble um, through through a through a, a corporate buyout? Okay, some big company bought Standard Iron Company, broke it up, sold off all the pieces. Yeah. Steel industry, nobody wanted it. They sucked all the money out of it, and eventually they and exactly what you just said, Johnny, is how they ended that place. Is they called everybody one day into the cafeteria, got them in there, and says, "Get in your cars and go down to the Holiday Inn and Portage." To a certain room, and he got everybody out in the middle, and they locked the gates. No Two, more jobs. No, no more jobs. Said it's over, it's done. And it's like that. That is the end of part one. Will leave us on a cliffhanger of Russell getting laid off for that last job, and then hearing about that final push that he needed to go full time running the caboose. You'll hear uh, the upcoming episodes of what the caboose may have been as Russell was getting caught up in the space race. 
things would have been a lot different if they were wearing little alien antennas and also be able to hear about some of the best advice that he ever got as an entrepreneur that ultimately led him to becoming a Hall of Fame hot dog connoisseur with Vienna beef. We hope to have you join us again for the upcoming parts. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you get alerted when those new episodes drop. Interested if we would be a good fit for you and your company? Head over to our website and take the short quiz at the top of the page. You can find it at itspossiblevs.com. That's itspossible, V as in virtual, S as in solutions.com. Lastly, wherever you listen to our podcast episodes, we ask you to subscribe and leave us a review. This helps you get alerts when we drop a new episode. It also helps others find the podcast when they search for us. It'll only take you a minute or two, and we sure get excited when we see some love that comes our way. We appreciate your time, and we appreciate you joining us for today's episode. Till next time.